Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. Newcastle Libraries can be accessed from wherever you live with the Newcastle Library app. Put borrowing at your fingertips. I invite you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine that there are no buildings, no roads, no cars, just the trees, plants, animals and the very first storytellers of this land, the Awabakal and Waramai people. I acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of this beautiful land in which we live. Welcome to Newcastle Libraries, your summer stories. Hi, this is Craig Sylvie. Join me and Newcastle Libraries for your summer stories this season. My book, Honey Bee, is one of your summer stories at Newcastle Libraries. Get your copy now. Craig Sylvie was only 19 when he finished his first novel, Rhubarb. His award-winning second novel, Jasper Jones, is often referred to as the Australian To Kill a Mockingbird and has become a classroom classic. It's been adapted into both a film and a play. His long-anticipated new novel, Honey Bee, did not disappoint. He lives in Fremantle and plays the electric ukulele in the Nancy Sykes Band. Craig Sylvie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us about your main character, Sam. Well, Sam Watson uh, in the novel Honey Bee is a, a trans teenager. And we meet Sam for the first time late one night when she steps onto a quiet traffic bridge, climbs over the rail and looks down at the road below. And her intention is to end her life. But at the other end of the bridge is an old man. His name is Vic and he's smoking his last cigarette. And he's there to end his own struggle. And the two see each other across the void and uh, their fates are changed. You know, they meet and, you know, Honey Bee tells the story of the, of the relationship that blooms between the two of them. And Sam comes to really love and admire Vic. Sam comes from a very neglected, inconsistent, volatile background raised by a single parent with uh, substance abuse issues. Sam lacks nourishment in so many areas you know whether it's emotionally or physically and so you know sam has a lot to to deal with she's she's contending with a great deal of emotional complexity you know and so meeting someone consistent like vic is a huge catalyst for change we'll get to their friendship in a minute but i wanted to ask why you wanted to touch on those themes of gender dysphoria and sam's transgender journey Right, yeah. Through a quirk of fate, you know, Honeybee, the story of Honeybee and Sam actually stems from a real event. A few years ago now, my brother was picking up his partner from the airport and driving her home to Fremantle. And uh, as he crossed the Canning Highway overpass, through the corner of his eye, he saw a young person who was standing on the wrong side of the rails and they were precariously poised. You know, he pulled over immediately and he called the police uh, while my sister-in-law, whose name is Sam, she got out and she approached this young person, you know, largely with the ambition to distract them really while help was on the way. And after my brother spoke to the police, uh, he contacted me and I was here at my desk uh, in my office working and I felt immediately concerned and heartbroken and really worried and connected to the event. So he continued to give me updates. So my sister-in-law connected with this young person and they spoke about everything and nothing for for a while until they volunteered the reasons why they were there and the truth is that they were grappling with 
the issues surrounding their gender identity. They had lost the support of their family and their friends. They'd been kicked out of home and they found themselves, you know, alone and anguished and in a hopeless and helpless place. And soon after the police turned up and, uh, you know, they're very businesslike, they were very brusque. They grabbed this young person, dragged them over the rails, deposited them in the back of an ambulance. And my sister-in-law was kind of summarily dismissed, you know, she just drifted away from the scene without giving a statement uh, and they drove away. And in the following days, we tried to connect or reconnect with this young person just to offer our support, to check in, see how they were and, and to, to see if we could assist them going forward, you know, but uh, we couldn't find them. They had a very common name. Uh, they proved to be elusive, you know. And so for me, I was in a curious situation where I had a very real concern for a very real person with a very real and urgent predicament, but they existed entirely in my imagination. You know, I never met them. And so, you know, I couldn't stop thinking about them. And I couldn't stop thinking about the forces and the pressures and the challenges and the threats that drove that person to that place on that night. And so I began reading about it. I began educating myself and listening to what those challenges are and what the complexities and, and difficulties are that are faced by young trans and gender diverse people in Australia. Right, because this isn't a lived experience for you. How do you go about making sure that you've done the right research, but also have the community on board when it comes to describing, writing about the life of a trans teen? That's right, yeah. Sam's story doesn't emerge from my own history. And I think the first step is, is a recognition of the fact that I don't, you know, as a, as a cisgender man, I don't navigate the world with the same threats and pressures and difficulties and challenges as members of the trans and gender diverse community. And what I wanted to focus on principally were the emotional undercurrents that somebody like Sam would contend with. And what that required of me was to listen and to learn and to collect testimonies. And that's what I did. You know, initially it was, it was about connecting with, with people's stories online. You know, we live in a, an incredible time where some very brave and inspiring people have, have volunteered their histories and their intimate stories online for people like me to, to read and appreciate and to learn from. And, you know, so I scoured forum posts and blogs and websites and video logs and collected a great deal of, of testimonies. But more importantly, I enlisted the assistance of support networks like Transfolk of WA. And I met with members of the trans and gender diverse community and interviewed them, all of whom were incredibly gracious and very generous in describing to me their intimate histories and the, the difficulties that they faced and the challenges that they've had to overcome, you know, doing me the great honour of answering my many, many questions, you know. And so in that respect, it was a collaborative effort. You know, it was a chorus of voices that built Sam's character. As it relates to the descriptions of dysphoria or Sam's gender identity, there are no blanks in Honeybee that are filled in by my imagination. Everything is informed by that research and reportage. Uh, and so in that respect, you know, the contributions of those people, those members of the trans and gender diverse community were invaluable, you know. You mentioned where Sam's character came from for you. Where did Vic come from? Because he ends up being a very, very important part of Sam's life and uh, touches on this, you know, theme of friendship and love, like no relationship I've ever read about. It's quite extraordinary. 
Oh, it's very kind of you to say. Um, it's a little harder to identify how and where Vic emerged, but the moment he entered my thoughts was the moment that I knew I had a novel. It was the moment that I intuitively felt there was something substantive enough to, to warrant further exploration. You know, they're two very contrasting characters, Sam and Vic, but are both driven to the same place for the same purpose. And I found that very interesting. Vic was a little slower to unfurl for me as a, as a man. Sometimes as a writer, you get blessed with characters. They just burst onto a page and you know who they are instantly. Whereas Vic was, you know, I had to spend a bit more time with him to, to understand who he was and, and, and why he was in this story. You know, where Sam was clearly influenced by a single person, I think Vic for me is an amalgam of various men that I've known in my life. Vic's a returned serviceman. I, I've, I've known a few returned servicemen. You know, Vic, I think, is indicative of mem some members of my family. You know, I'll give you an example. So Vic is grieving. He's a widower. And uh, Sam goes to stay with Vic uh, in, in his house. And the room that Sam is, is offered to stay in is, you know, Vic's marital bedroom, basically, that he shared with his wife. And when Sam opens the door, it's as though she's stepping into a museum of a past life and past love. Because the truth is when his wife died, Vic wasn't emotionally equipped to step back into that room. And so he just closed the door and never, ever walked back in there. And that's true of my own grandfather's relationship with, uh, with, with his wife. When she passed away, he closed the door and he slept in a sleep out at the back of the house and he never, ever walked back into that room ever again. And, you know, I found that, he wasn't a very emotionally effusive man. And so I remember thinking at the time that was quite a powerful gesture. That was a really profound indication to me of, of what his true thoughts were. And so it's little elements like that that go into building a new character, somebody like Vic. Why not dip your toes into your summer stories from Newcastle Libraries? Simply visit the Library Lounge on the Newcastle Libraries app or the website newcastle.nsw.gov.au slash library. When you're building a new character, let's start with Sam. How important is it for you that the reader falls in love with that character, especially in the case of Honeybee? Because can I tell you, very early on, I was hooked because I just wanted things to work out for Sam and that's what kept me turning each page. How important is it that the reader falls in love with Sam? Well, I think it's important that the writer does too. I go through many of the same emotional dynamics that, that, that a reader does. I think an author ought to have an emotional and a sincere emotional connection to, to their characters. I think that that's an indication to you that there's there's a purity to your story, an authenticity, that you have a genuine affection for these people, particularly if it's the hero of your story, it's, it's the central protagonist. I think you want to be secure in the knowledge that this person's story is worth pursuing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't be without flaws or can't be a complicated character, but I think it's important that this person has redeeming elements, I suppose. I think, for me at least, that the thing that I fell in love with first was Sam's voice. You know, I think an interesting thing about Sam is, as I say, she's not without her flaws. She's untruthful to, to a lot of characters in the story. You know, she shoplifts and breaches the law on a number of occasions. And, you know, there are complications around Sam. However, she never lies to us. She never lies to the reader, not once. And in that respect, we feel very close to Sam. 
Honeybee almost reads like a confessional. It's like a diary entry, you know, it's that intimate. And I think the fact that, that there's this layer of trust between the reader and Sam, I think makes it quite profound, you know, and we, and we feel as though we share that journey. I, I, think, I think that's true of Sam's voice. So, yeah, that was, that was the first thing that I fell in love with. You're right. She's a complicated character and flawed. To create resilience in her and Vic, they have to go through some pretty tough experiences. How, how far were you willing to push those characters? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to describe because you don't necessarily plot out your story wanting to to put your characters under undue pressure or to expose them to difficult elements simply because it might add conflict or, or drama. That doesn't tend to be the way that I work and it certainly wasn't the way that I worked with Honeybee. You know, Sam endures some really difficult scenes she's subject to to aggression and manipulation and volatility but you know many of those aspects i I couldn't ignore it because the the truth is that for many people in the lgbtqi community these are elements that people are forced to contend with particularly if they come from backgrounds that are volatile that that are closed-minded that that are bigoted and i think to ignore those i think would have robbed this story of authenticity and so it was necessary for me to to write those, to try to distill those and make them part of Sam's story. It would have been dishonest to do otherwise. But in that respect, in trying to capture those moments, I think what it also did was imbue those other elements of the text, the very joyous ones and the very loving and supportive ones with this sense of profound relief. You know, when, when people do step into Sam's life, like Vic, who offer support and hope, I think we... We cling to those moments and I think that, that, they, that the undercurrent, the darkness and the bleakness of this story make those lighter moments sing. Create your own summer stories with Newcastle Libraries through our incredible collections, e-learning resources and summer programs. Find out more at the Newcastle Libraries app or website. Change is a strong theme throughout your book. Is it important for you that all your characters change and grow over the course of the novel? Well, I think the best novels exhibit change, but I think it has to be justified. I think it has to be earned. It's very clear that Sam changes from the first to the last page in, in Honeybee. And, you know, we, we there's a very, very distinct difference between the person we first meet and the person who departs the story. I'm not sure it's true that everybody changes, though, in this story. In the case of Sam's mother, I don't want to spoil the, the story for, for, for people just tuning in. But, you know, Sarah, Sam's mother, I think, has moments of clarity and has, you know, is exposed to, to a new character that she, has to res- that she has to respond to differently. But in terms of Sarah changing her patterns of behaviour, I think, Sarah, you know, part of the tragedy of this story is that she just doesn't. She's, she's not equipped for that. And I think that can be just as interesting as a character undergoing, you know, uh, an arc towards change. But I think it's the it's the forces that that catalyse Sam's change that that are the most important lessons or themes in in the story. You mentioned there a bit of loss for there to be a, a love story, and it's you know a bit of a different style of love story. This love between Sam and Vic, but does there have to be a sense of loss for there to be love? I'm not sure. Um, well, it's, that's, that's quite a profound question. It's, um, you know, I think, I think 
loving requires vulnerability on our part. Loving requires us to look at ourselves differently. It requires us to, you know, I think it, I think love leaves us open to, to change and, and open to the possibility of loss as well. But we, but we take that leap nevertheless. Um, I think that's one of the interesting things about it. But no, a lot of, a lot of honeybee is about dealing with loss. A lot of honeybee is about accepting it. And a lot of honeybee is about redemption as well. You know, that, that's part of Vic's character arc. So, I, you know, I think a lot of things swirl around a theme as profound and big as love. Do Sam and Vic learn their resilience or is it innate? Wow, that's a good question too. Well, let's consider, I think it's worth considering what may have happened if they hadn't met that night. If it was any other night or if, or if there was a, a few minutes between, you know, that quirk of fate that allowed those two people to meet at the same place at the same time uh, for the same reasons. So I think it's fair to say that they encourage resilience in, in one another. Of course, they just through the sheer scope of their endurance, what they've dealt with, Vic in grieving and nursing the trauma that he's had over the course of his life, making it to, to the point that he did suggests that, you know, he's a resilient man. Uh, and Sam, of course, the you know tracing the the lineage of of her history and what she endured also suggests that there's clearly an embedded strength there. But I think once the two of them meet and encourage each other, I think that's when they really start to sing, and I think that's really when they start to change for the better. And I think it's true of a lot of characters in in Honeybee, certainly as they relate to Sam. You know, she meets uh, her her first and only friend, Aggie, who just has an instant bond with Sam and and allows Sam to kind of see herself for the first time as somebody who's worthy of being loved, as somebody who uh, is worthy of friendship. It's also true of Peter, you know, the or fellow Fitzgerald, the, the drag queen by night, nurse by day, who steps in and, and sees a lot of, of themselves in Sam and and understands just how much support is required to give somebody like Sam to let them understand implicitly that they're worth saving. I think, you know, these characters, these elements, these these bodies of support are crucial, I think, in, in allowing a character like Sam to to come to that next level and to not just to not just to endure not just to, to to keep going but to but to fight i suppose welcome to newcastle libraries your summer stories read relax and join the conversation after writing a best-selling novel like jasper jones australian readers were very keen to see what was going to come from you next. We had to wait 11 years. I remember reading another great Australian author, Marcus Zusak. He'd written The Book Thief, and then it took many, many years for him to release Bridge of Clay. He has written about the pressure he felt and uh, what toll that took on his mental health. Did you feel any pressure in those 11 years and then when you finally released Honeybee, the nerves of it going out into the world? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say it was only once, it was only when we were a couple of weeks away from release that I really started to, to feel that, that vulnerability again. The truth is I, I try to the best of my ability to displace uh, any sense of audience or, or industry at large when I'm cultivating a manuscript because it just doesn't help. In fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. It's stultifying. If you think about 
creating with the notion of this phantom audience looking over your shoulder and judging your decisions, you'll never make another brave choice as a writer. And so for me, a lot of the time, it's about just trying. And by virtue of the fact that I live in Western Australia, a long way away from the industry, it kind of helps uh, being so isolated. So it's it's nice just to get back to you know the familiar space at my desk and to just push away those public elements of my life. You know, an author lives two very separate worlds that a very private one where you develop work and you, and you live inside a story and you have a very intimate relationship with the characters who inhabit it and then a very public one where that manuscript becomes a novel becomes a story that you give over to an audience and it's then that you know i really start to feel the anxiety and the the depth of pressure and expectation because nobody wants to disappoint hundreds of thousands of people or in marcus's case potentially millions And people feel very proprietary about your work simply because a reader builds a story on their own terms, you know, and an author offers somebody a a blueprint or a map and a reader fills it in and they lend a story the authority of their own history and imagination. They build a story and make it their own. It's a very deep and personal journey that we go on when we read. And so, uh, you know, the, the notion of just, you know, fundamentally disappointing a reader on that kind of intimate level is is frightening nobody wants that responsibility but i have to say then it's it's been a it's been quite a phenomenal response thus far you know the only the book's only been out for eight weeks or so but it's i've just been so moved by many of the responses i've received from from readers it's just been incredible it's an extraordinary book i hope we don't have to wait 11 years for the next one craig sylvie thank you for being part of the podcast oh thank you so much for having me it's a joy Thanks for listening to Your Summer Stories from Newcastle Libraries. Why not take a dip and a sip, then rate and review us wherever you listen. This has been a Newcastle Libraries Real Production.